Welcome to another episode of Beers of the Round Table presents The Back Bar. And today I am joined by the first, uh, I guess, other person of Beers of the Round Table, <laughs> Brad. Hello. Hey. Um, so I guess for this one, let's start with what we're drinking tonight. Okay. We'll, we'll start with the this first. Um, we've got Hand of the Queen from Omegang. So this is part of their Game of Thrones series. Nice. Um, this brewery hit it big and got to um, make a bunch of Game of Thrones beers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and I, I had definitely seen them in the uh, in the store a few times. I'm like, man, I want to get one of these. Yeah, I was just reading on the back of this bottle. They, these were pretty recent. Um, they at least took this one into Total Wine back in March, March mm-hmm. 28th. Uh, so this one I think is pretty recently themed off of the latest season. Mm-hmm. Um, so Hand of the Queen, uh, what, the, what does the bottle say? A beer for Tyrion, a full-bodied expression of a classic rich and malty barley wine ale. So, um, yeah, this one's supposed to be Tyrion's beer. Cool. And then do you want to talk about the other drink we have? Yeah. So the other one is a mead that I brewed a while back. Um, I brewed this one for a gift that my mom was giving out to her teachers. Mm-hmm. So it's orange pomegranate mead. Yeah, and just a little bit I've had of it already tastes amazing. Oh, thank you. Well, uh, I guess you kind of segued into <laughs> kind of what we're going to talk about. Um, you have been brewing for a while, or I guess home brewing for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so how, how did you end up getting into that? So... Um, Back before Kara and I were married, um, I used to get together with both of her brothers, Joseph, that's on the cast with us, and then her oldest brother, Alan Michael. And um, a lot of times, when we were first getting into beer, we'd go to Total Wine, get like a six pack, like a pick, yeah. pick your own six pack, or places like that, and like you know, just get like different beers, different rare beers that we could, and we'd always just sit uh, around. We'd split each beer uh, with each other, and then we drink it and like discuss it. Mm-hmm. I even have like little tasting logs somewhere where like right, we right, down. the, the thirty three beers yeah, on the yeah, wall, yeah. yeah. So I've got those somewhere. So do you think it was like you know seeking out that like craftness or like? rareness that kind of led into this yeah i think a little bit like you know we kept trying like um as many different kinds of beers as we could and like i, I you know for me i was kind of sitting there and be like okay so what do they do that makes it a uh, stout rather than you know a uh-huh. blonde ale like you know what's the difference in the process and it's also just a process itself that i was kind of curious about and you know, during those tastings, we would talk about like you know, oh, it'd be cool if we like you know tried homebrewing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's kind of a common thing of anyone who drinks. You know, you always yeah. go out to the bar and you're like sitting there, you know, drinking a cocktail, and you're like, we should own a bar. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But for us, it's like we should make a beer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so finally, um, one like at the beginning of one summer, uh, it's been a few years. I can't remember how long it was, but like we, we went down to the Texas brewing there that's over mm-hmm. by your, your place. And, um, we, we decided that if we were going to go into it, we were going to go into it hard. And we each threw down $200 a piece on nice. our starter kit. And, uh, cause like usually whenever people get into it, they just get like a simple small pot, uh, and they do what's called extract brewing where you're mm-hmm. like, like brewing part of the beer and then you add water to it to get that full volume. Yeah. And I think there's like a backpack that Haley gave me oh, yeah? and it had like, I had found a thing for like brewing and you're got, you, I had messaged you guys on Slack and you're like, 
that's an extract brewing like instruction yeah, or something yeah. like that. So like I mean not not to trash on e- extract or anything but like extract is just like kind of how you get started into it because there's mm-hmm. less that can go wrong to the process. It's basically just pouring concentrated sugar into the pot and then adding some hops and stuff like that and mm-hmm. you know boiling together. So it's kind of like the I don't know like I guess brewing tea quickly or something like yeah, that. Yeah, kind of a little yeah. bit. So our first beer was extract, just so that mm-hmm. we could like you know make sure that like you know it was a process that we understood. Yeah, and and, and you know, <laughs> I mean, I didn't have your first beer, but I'm sure it's like, yeah, like getting that process, like I, especially when you guys gave me that cider kit. Mm-hmm. Like my first one I made, it was just like I don't even know how to do this. Yeah. I need to, you know, just try to figure out how to do it and then yeah. you know the second time you go around you're going to be more of an expert yeah exactly like the first time we did it it was by the book right like uh, exactly how it was supposed to do, uh, go the only thing that we diff- did differently from the recipe is we got the um, the the texas brewing shop there sold these six pound bags of raw honey mm-hmm. and so we got that and poured like two keep heaping cups of honey into the beer oh yeah and that that gave it a good flavor mm-hmm. but like the kit that we bought also had like you know this big old propane burner you've seen it when we mm-hmm. brewed out here so like that's what we've been using ever since then to do all grain brewing yeah and we do a method called brew in the bag which is basically that yeah like the steep yeah yeah that that's like making a big giant right I, I guess i just meant it <laughs> that those kits are much more like like they give you they give you less uh the instructions are more broad because it's just like here's the stuff put it in water you're good to go yeah yeah with with all grain it's much more loose there's a bunch of different tech techniques for doing all grain brewing and there's a bunch of different ways that you can do things mm-hmm. but like from there like pretty much my second attempt at brewing was a recipe i created myself and that was like like mm-hmm. once i like once i read a book about brewing and figured out the process i was like okay i want to start making my own recipes i like i knew then that i didn't want to just keep doing other people's recipes mm-hmm. i wanted to you know make it you know something that was my own so i kind of figured out like how recipes were formulated and like even still my my technique for creating a new recipe is the same basically i'll figure out what style i want to make Right, and then I'll go look at a bunch of different examples of that style, mm-hmm. and then figure out you know what's all the same in those recipes and what's different, and so then I can just kind of like build the basic idea of what that beer is going to be, and then start adding some other grains or some other mm-hmm. ingredients to kind of make it my own and give it my own twist. Mm-hmm. And I guess what what kind of influences what your next brew will be? Is it are you trying you know new? I mean, obviously we're trying new beers with beers that are on table, right. but is it? Like, hey, I like this, so I want to try and make yeah, a copy like, of it? it or? Yeah, a lot of times it is kind of like, you know, what my taste is at the time that I'm drinking. Because, mm-hmm. um, like, when we were first got into to brewing was also when I was still pretty young with, you know, drinking craft beer. Yeah. And that was when I figured out that I love Imperial Stouts. Mm-hmm. And so my second beer, which Imperial Stouts is uh, a pretty difficult beer for a beginner. But on my second beer, I was like, I'm going to make an Imperial Stout. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so, you know, that's what I tried to do. And it, it, it came out all right. But we've definitely perfected our Imperial Stout recipe. Yeah, I mean, I feel the same. Uh, I guess the only experience I have is with my cider. But, uh-huh. you know, just like I've now figured out exactly how long to let it, you know, I guess sit there and brew. Mm-hmm. How many spices. And I think actually next time I'm going to use fresher spices like, instead of using just cinnamon uh granulated cinnamon i'm gonna actually use cinnamon sticks and stuff like that yeah and you know try and go like the extra step to get a holder flavor yeah 
but you know, just kind of how you mentioned my first batch, I just, I did not like my first batch of cider at <laughs> all. I, I mean, it, it was decent, but right. there was just something about it that just wasn't good. Right. And you know, it's just a matter of, you know, keep doing it, learning from your mistakes, learning how to make it better. Um, but yeah, like one of the things that I really liked, um, one of the favorite things I've done with like, mm-hmm. you know, my hobby of brewing is, um, there's, and we've, we've had a couple of examples on the show of new England style IPAs. Yeah. We, we haven't had any true new England style IPAs though, because they're only sold in the new England area. Yeah. Um, what got me turned on to it was everybody talked about this beer called heady topper, which is only available in Vermont mm-hmm. and the brewery only distributes it within, I think it's 20 miles of the brewery. So you got to go there to get it or have somebody bring it to you. And, um, there was one point where somebody was raising money for what they called the great American brewery tour where they mm-hmm. were like going across America and like, you know, visiting different breweries. Um, so they were taking donations, uh, in exchange for beer wow. and they had just come back from Vermont and had a, like some four packs of that Haiti topper. I was like, oh, I have to have that. And so I got that and they said, like they say with this beer, what makes it, what it is is the yeast that they use. Like it's supposed to be like the yeast is what makes that beer what it Mm -hmm. is. And I wanted to make a beer that was like that beer. And so what I ended up doing was I drank pretty much everything except for like an inch left in the can. Uh And then I started feeding that sugar to grow the yeast that was still inside the can. (laughs) And eventually I grew it up into an amount of yeast that I could pitch into my own beer. Mm -hmm. And so I made a beer that had tons of hops in it just a ridiculous amount of hops and like, you know, use that yeast in there and it came out really good. Mm-hmm. And that's the beer that we talk about, the grizzly green bear. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if you've had it. Um, I'm not sure. I know. I, I know I served it a few times at my old apartment, mm-hmm. but like that was, that's one of the beers I'm most proud of. Mm-hmm. And like that one was just really fun because I took the can of somebody else and like regrew the yeast. Yeah. Being able to use it for my own stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, I guess, is there anything you haven't done yet that you want to do? Style wise, probably, well, or I I, guess you could even go in. What have you done so far? (laughs) That's another long list that I got to think about. Like, so you did a logger for Zach. Yeah. I did the Mexican logger that we did for, um, Zach, uh, Carla, his girlfriend, um, for her grandfather. She wanted that for his, for I think for just for Christmas or his birthday. Yeah, it's just, just as a gift, basically. As a gift, yeah. So we um, we went through and I created a recipe for that and we made that. Um, I've did a, I've done a clone of Montucky mm-hmm. that people say they liked it better than Montucky, but I I don't know how I feel about that particular recipe. We'll see. Yeah, we're all <laughs> our own biggest critics. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Um, I did an Oktoberfest that did not come out good. Like, there's no getting around that one. Just didn't come out good. I'd like to retry that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have our Imperial Stout that we try to do once a year, and that one we. Um, in the last week of fermentation, we throw in bourbon soaked oak cubes and mm-hmm. cha- we try to change out the bourbon every year. We've done maker's mark and Woodford reserve. I think we came back to maker's mark this year though. Um, and then we throw in like a cup and a half of cold brew coffee. Mm-hmm. Gives it a great taste. Um, I've got the grizzly green bear that I'm, I really like, and that's, uh, an Imperial IPA. Um, I've got carbonating right now. Actually, I have an American wheat with, uh, all citra hops, which are just really citrusy. Nice. Taking that down to my dad's crawfish boil tomorrow. Very nice. <laughs> so that's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, for our wedding. I for- 
completely should have talked about that. <laughs> for so for Karen and I's wedding, um, I got it in my head. I was like, you know, it'd be awesome if we homebrewed all the beer for the wedding. So I have to say though, that was really awesome. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and so like I, I got um, her brothers together because like you know we were all good brewing buddies. Um, we got together and we like we did four batches of beer, um, which doing them as close together as it was, it was a pretty mm-hmm. rigorous schedule. Cause like, so kegging beer is really easy, but bottling beer, like mm-hmm. bottling a five ga- a gallon batch of beer, you've got two cases of bottles. That's 48 bottles. You have to scrub each bottle individually, yeah. sanitize it and do yeah. it. And like you've done it like, yeah. with a cider. So just two cases. And we did that four times. And like, that was like, um, every two weeks we were brewing and bottling, brewing and bottling, brewing mm-hmm. and bottling. So like it was a lot of work, but it, the payoff was great. Everybody at the wedding loved the beer. Um, so like, you know, it was just really cool. Like having that there at the wedding. I feel like that might have been like one of the first times I'd had, it may have been one of the first times I'd had one of your beers. Cause I, it was at least a time where I like had it, and I was like, "Yeah, I like this." And I don't remember which one it was. <laughs> right? But there was one you like came up to me, and he's like, "Did you like any of the beers?" I'm like, "Yeah, I like whatever this one is." And you're like, "Oh yeah, good." <laughs> yeah, because at that one we had like the three beers that we were doing really good with, which was our cream ale, which was the first beer we ever brewed, mm-hmm. and we had gotten better at that recipe and kind of made it our own. Then we had a Hefeweizen, which we've had Hefeweizens on the show before, which is basically just a wheat beer with really banana yeasty notes. Mm-hmm. And then we had, oh, what was the third? The third one is what we call the Barely Hopped IP, or yeah, the Barely Hopped Pale Ale, mm-hmm. which is like, you've got IPAs and then you have Pale Ales. Mm-hmm. So IPAs are hoppy, Pale Ales are in the same vein, but just a little bit less hoppy. Mm-hmm. And so I had made that one with... Like, you know, a certain blend of hops and, like, a really nice malt bill. Like, it was, like, I just like that beer. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. And so we had those three beers, and I think everybody really seemed to enjoy it. It was, it was fun walking. Like, when when you're at your wedding, mm-hmm. Scott, for, in the future, <laughs> um, so one of the things that you'll be doing with Haley is walking around talking your reception, to talking to everybody. Yeah. So what was cool about that was walking around and everybody coming up to me and being like, hey, your beer was really good. Yeah. I love your beer. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that that was a really good feeling. And, like, the other fun memory I have with homebrewing was my bachelor party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was, uh, like, uh, like Zach, I think, came up with the idea. Or, I don't know. Like, he and I were talking about, you know, like, it would be cool if we can get the monk to have your beer on tap. Yeah. And, you know, Zach, he took it and just went with it. You know, yeah. he actually got... You know, been to close off a tap, mm-hmm. and yeah. and then you know he and I we had to like, oh, we gotta you know get him a a handle for it. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> we found a handle, and it came with. I, I think in my old car in my Kia, I had the stickers that it originally came with for oh, the yeah. longest time until I <laughs> sold that car, and then um, we went to. I remember we went to um, Walmart and like printed off a sticker picture. For your handle. Nice. <laughs> and then, yeah, you know, we went all day. And, you know, this was actually, I guess, really prior to me really drinking all that much. Right. And so I was your designated driver. We went to, you know, all these breweries. All the breweries, yeah. And the thing, like, like Zach played it really well because I felt like I had it, like, all figured out. Like, uh-huh. what was going on with that day. And, like, he did a really good job of being, like, like making me think that I figured it out. Mm-hmm. And, like... I just had I had no idea walking into the monk that that's like well yeah because we had gone to Pascal's right before that and you know Pascal's is kind of like. 
that's the that's, last that's place, the last you stop know. you go when you're when right. You're, but then you know, hidden. Zach played it off really well. Like, let's just stop into the monk for one more drink. And you like know? the the like the thing was is like, uh, Doctor Mickler was there. Doctor Mickler, my old professor mm-hmm. from UNC mm-hmm. in my research lab, and that wasn't planned. That was purely yeah, by yeah, coincidence. That was just by coincidence. And so it gave Zach like an even better pretense to be like, hey, let's go, let's just go stop by the monk real quick. Uh, Doctor Mickler wants to have a drink with you for your bachelor party, and so mm-hmm. then we came in there. And of course, it was there. And like Zach throws me off. He walks up to the party. He's like, "I want an Angry Bear special." Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "What?" <laughs> I don't think they serve Angry Bears. You clearly said that. Like, what? They don't. They don't sell that here. That's <laughs> like, I don't then, think that's yeah. A even thing. the bartender was like, "Wait, is is this the thing? Is this what we've been waiting all night for?" Yeah. And then it's like, "Oh yeah, it's you guys. Okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah." And then I remember I like tipped. I like tipped forty dollars or something like oh, yeah? that into yeah. the tip jar for them. Yeah. But yeah, that was that was a really fun memory, and that's you know something that, like like that that's been one of my dreams is like you know with homebrewing, like it would be nice maybe one day down the line to open up like a small brewery or something mm-hmm. like that, and to yeah, be able I to mean, get your beer into this bars. Kind of what I wanted to get into, yeah. Like, what would you envision for your brewery? Like, would you, you know, stick purely with the craft? I guess craft beer, or would you actually want to get into distilling or and like distilling, anything else like that? I yeah, guess. distilling is something that I'd like to try at some point as well. But you know, with it, it being it's just illegal, because it's illegal. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not illegal to own the still. It's just illegal to use it <laughs> exactly, in any way. Yeah. But I mean, like I've gotten and in, gotten more into whiskey, like probably in the past year or so, and I uh, attribute that to Zach. You know, mm-hmm. whenever he comes over, he's got whiskey. And, um, I've taken a, you know, I, I, like, I now have a taste for just drinking whiskey straight. Yeah. And we went down to San Antonio, Karen and I did, um, the September before Evie was born or October rather, and went to a distillery there and learned more about the process of how it, like, you know, how mm-hmm. they make it. And like, I've read a couple books on like distilling and that's a cool process too. There's a lot of craftsmanship that goes in there. Because, like, you're distilling, you know, your liquor, and you have to make decisions at different points during the distilling process to cut it off at certain points, and then you blend those right. parts together to make and your spirit. I think a one thing that most people don't really realize is pretty much every spirit, when I say spirit, like liquor, mm-hmm. starts kind of the same way. Exactly. It's just what you end up doing to it from that point yeah. on determines whether it becomes a rum or a bourbon or yeah. whiskey or yeah most of them have a different you know base well, ingredient well yeah okay to, so yeah know. it could be your base ingredient but like when they like most of them are just clear when they come exactly, out exactly yeah and so then when you put it in the barrel it gives right it, that color. it gives you yeah so it i think that's something that people don't really realize when they're like it's all super close yeah and similar but yeah it's just that one degree of difference but that yeah that's something that i've thought about i'd like to do you know like the dream would be to do both yeah <clears throat> but i've also kind of thought about like you know well how would i really go about doing it and being able to be profitable because like by the time i can probably you know make it feasible to open something up maybe there's more breweries in denton and i'll just saturate the market well i mean i think at least for brewing that would probably be the most profitable because you could get it done a lot quicker yeah the whole distilling is I listened to a guy who oh, he he started his own brand, uh-huh. but he started by getting the distillery, yeah. And then at a certain point, he actually bought you know the places where he'd get his ingredients, and mm-hmm. then he and then he bought like the distribution center where he'd like distribute it all out yeah. from. So it was like he said that it's like the, the biggest problem with brewing is, or I'm sorry, distilling is that it's. It you just have to wait so long because it's like you can make the alcohol super quick, age it six months, you're ready to go. Mm-hmm. But then like 
if you're doing, you know, like a 10 year, yeah. well, I mean, yeah. you got to sell something. Exactly. You can't just hold it for 10 but, you know, years. That's, that's, that's something that I've also thought about. And what like a lot of like, you know, whiskey um, distillers do is while they're waiting for their bourbon to age, they will buy whiskey from other distilleries and uh-huh. blend it. And uh-huh. then they'll sell their blended whiskey. So, you know, TX whiskey, uh-huh. that's what they did for years until their bourbon was ready. Really? Yeah. So you do that, or then you make your bourbon, you put half the bourbon in the barrel, and then you sell the other half as moonshine. Mm. Because moonshine is just ready to go. Right. And, you know, there, there is a market for it. What you could do, is, like, you know, the kind of thought that I kind of had was, like, you know, you make the moonshine and then have a bar inside the distillery where you're making moonshine cocktails. Yeah, that would be cool, too. Yeah, because, like, you know, people will use moonshine as a replacement for vodka and, you know, just other mm-hmm. clear spirits in their recipes. So, you know, that's... Yeah, but I, I guess... It. So then what... Which one of the beers that you've made so far would you want to sell as, I guess, kind of your your lineup as a new craft <laughs> brewery? I really think that the lineup that we had at the wedding is a good, like, year-round lineup to go with because they're, yeah. they're all popular styles that people seem to drink year-round. Um, they're recipes that we've done many times and like I, we have a really good grasp of how the recipes work. Uh-huh. Um, we have tons of ideas of like, you know, different things that I'd like to do for like, you know, seasonal type you, things. Yeah. You would want to do seasonals. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I think I, seasonals are cool to me just like, cause I don't know, being in Austin, you have Austin beer works, which mm-hmm. does a ton of different seasonals based off of what time it is, yeah. time of the year it is. And like I, I I've yet to have a beer from them that's bad. Yeah. And I think it's just because, you know, it is kind of that smaller scene where, I mean, I don't know, they're spending more time with each beer, <laughs> yeah. you could say. Yeah, because, like, the thing is, is, like, I mean, you, you want to have, like, your, your base lineup that you do all the time, but, you know, right. pulling in seasonals and limited releases is good because your audience doesn't get bored of mm-hmm. what you have. Because they're going to be like, oh, that again? Yeah, I've, and I've then had it, that so many times. Yeah, it becomes like, oh, you know. You know, Awesome Beer Works just released this new thing, and exactly. I can only get it at this time. Exactly, yeah. Because, I mean, like, we, we do that with, you know, beers at the round table. It's like, oh, hey, this this brewery just released this beer. I want to try and get it for the show. Right, yeah. Well, I mean, like, we did the Martin House yeah, the, uh, like Cookies, Cookies and Cream. Cream. Yeah, like, you know, different things like that. Like, seeing some of the limited re- releases that these guys come out with, like, you know, it's... Um, it just makes you excited to like, you know, try and like go out and get that beer. Mm-hmm. And then like a lot of these breweries, like with Imperial Stouts, Imperial Stouts is always a, um, a limited release beer that mm-hmm. a lot of breweries will do. Like there's, you know, there's some breweries that have like an Imperial Stout as their standard lineup that they do year round. Mm-hmm. But a lot of them will do it as a limited release that comes around the winter time just cause like, you know, that's when that style becomes popular. Yeah. And so like, like that's my season when winter comes up. I go, oh yeah, all the good imperial stouts are coming out. <laughs> and so I stock up on those, and I've got like I've still got tons in my pantry over there because mm-hmm. those are ones that are good to age. Mm-hmm. So I like I try to sit on a couple of them for a year or two, and then drink them when they're really good. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's definitely something I want us to do at some point. Is yeah. if we could, you know, flip it kicks, you know kicks off and gets sold for like twenty <laughs> million dollars, and you know we're all out of a you know, job or something <laughs> like that. It's like, well, let's just open up a brewery. Yeah, there then. you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause like a lot of places around here in Denton are, I think starting to do it right. Cause like the thing with like in Fort Worth, the breweries I've been to, a lot of them will follow the, like you go on Thursday or Saturday and you get three beers to drink at the brewery. Like that's how their tap mm-hmm. rooms operate. 
But um, like here in Denton, the way Audacity did it and the way that Denton County Brewing Company does it um, and the way that Armadillo is going to do it mm-hmm. is that they just have an open tap room. And I think the way that they do it is they classify themselves as what's called a brew pub, uh-huh. which is where they're allowed to sell beer there. It's because like most mm-hmm. breweries are like are like if you're if you operate just under a brewery license, you're not allowed to sell beer to drink there. Like to the public? Yeah, you're not allowed to sell it. Mm-hmm. So the way that these breweries like in Fort Worth get around it with their brewery license is like we will sell you this pint glass for ten dollars. Uh, and you yeah. get three beers. Uh-huh. Yeah, you so, get like a ticket or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like that's how those work. But like, you know, a lot of newer breweries are in Texas are classifying themselves as brew pubs to get around mm-hmm. those laws. And I think you can also, with that license, be able to, um, like, uh, fill growlers so that people oh, okay. so yeah. people can come to the brewery and take beer away. Hmm. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and just think of all, you know, the marketing things we could do. Yeah. Get our logo <laughs> on a growler. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, that was one of the funny things, like, you know, because with us, we're, like, you know, Angry Bear Brewing, and we've got, you know, mm-hmm. the bear logo. Right. And, like, because, like, what we wanted to do is, like, with each different beer you dress the bear up in a different way oh yeah that'd be perfect yeah. i mean that's like the that is like the quintessential like when i go to central market yeah. and look at all the uh you know craft breweries it's like yeah every can is different in a you know certain way or whatever yeah. their little figure is a little gesture or yeah. whatever you know a little penguin something like that yeah um, yeah like with with like our imperial stout it's um we call it the bear czar like you know a russian czar uh-huh. so the bear would be dressed up like a you know a russian czar put, put a, uh, the the russian yeah like, big top hat thing on yeah him. and then grizzly green bear you know it's a green bear mm-hmm. <laughs> you know oh, things yeah, like there that you go. But, yeah yeah i mean I, I definitely think that is something we we should work towards oh yeah definitely getting... yeah it's it's a dream that's that i've held dear for two years or so <laughs> however long we've been doing brewing mm-hmm it's had to have been at least three years now. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, because Karen and I are about to be married for two years, mm-hmm. and we had already been brewing for about a year when we did the wedding. So three years, we've been brewing for three years. Nice, nice. Has I've learned. Been two years? Yeah, wow. <laughs> it has been two years, Karen. Feels like it's been five <laughs> already. Well, I mean, we've been together. It'll be eight years in August Dang. that we've been together. Nice. <laughs> uh, but yeah. I mean, any questions for me so you can actually sip on your beer a little bit? <laughs> I'll finish it after the cast when we go to play some X-Wing. But, um, uh, well, what, 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 what are you planning to get into? Are you planning to you know, just kind of continue on with the cider? Or? Yeah, I, I really like the cider's easy. Mm-hmm. And like after you'd given me that initial kit, the second time I did, it, I bought a whole new, uh, what do you call that? Carboy. Yeah. So I you bought do, a, like two. Yeah. At the same I did time. two at the same time. And, and that was when I actually figured out my how how long to do it because I went by so I guess my first one I went by the book so it was like a month uh, brewing I guess and then bottled and then sat for I believe two weeks non refrigerated and about a week in the fridge mm-hmm. um, and then the second time I did it I uh, hey Evie hey. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the second time I did it, I did 
so that's when I added in all those spices. I added nutmeg and I added cinnamon. And then when I actually carbonated it, I did brown sugar instead mm-hmm. of just regular carbonating sugar. Yeah. And the first one was the same time period as my first batch, which mm-hmm. I thought was good. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say it was perfect. But then the second one, I actually let it sit for six weeks. Mm-hmm. And then I bottled it and let that sit for two weeks. And then I let it sit in the fridge for another two weeks. And I think that was probably the best batch that I had made. There you go. And the other thing was my first batch that I bottled, I just kind of randomly poured a certain amount of water, added my carbonating sugar to it and, and toss it in there. With the second batch, each one of those, I actually figured out how much. So, like, I figured out. How much I had in a, I guess, a gallon. And from there, figured out how many would fit into 11 bottles. Because that's how many bottles mine fills up. Mm -hmm. And then I figured out how much more I needed to add to be 11 bottles even. How much water. Yeah. And so I think that helped because it wasn't... I think my first batch just was too watery. Mm, Yeah. And that's something that I forgot to uh, put on those instructions. Because I think whenever we do like one gallon batches, we boil like maybe like half a cup to a cup of water with the yeah. sugar. I think I do half a cup now. Yeah, I think half a cup's about the right for a one gallon. Because like for a two gallon or for a five gallon batch, whenever we would bottle them, I think we did like two cups of water mm. for the priming sugar. Mm-hmm. But and, and see, the other thing was though that brown sugar is just so much more flavorful than mm. regular sugar, and it just made it taste better. Yeah. So yeah, like I was kind of alluding to earlier, like next batch, I want to buy cinnamon sticks and do just pure cinnamon sticks in there, which is what we actually use in this mead. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And I've been tasting this mead, and I'm like, oh man, I like this a lot. (laughs) Yeah, because we've got we've got a good handful of spices in here. I think it's like there's like one or two cinnamon sticks, a couple of cloves, and then like pumpkin spice. See, that was the only thing it suggested was cloves, but I couldn't find any, or like I didn't go to the store to buy any, but. Um, I don't know. I I think I want my cider to be like I just want to get to the point where it's like you drink it and you're like reminiscing of fall. Yeah. And I've gotten close, but I'm not quite there yet. But I definitely want to try. Um, who was it? I think it was uh, Bishop Brewing. A uh, Bishop Cider. Oh yeah, their cider. They had like a they have a raspberry cider. Oh yeah, that I love so. Was much. it Crackberry? I don't know. It has a raspberry on it. You know how they have the little pixel art on yeah, it? Okay. It just has one raspberry on it. That's the only thing that's on it. It was really good, though. And I want to figure out how to do that. And I've been kind of doing some reading. And a lot of people will actually put like just fruit into your carboy. Yeah, but you have to be careful with that because... You can introduce like you know wild yeast and stuff and get you know right. an infection, which really just means unintended flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, like, there's definitely like there's a there's ways a lot of people do it. Some people will like freeze the fruit first. I think I've heard people doing that. Um, Would you want to freeze the fruit though? Because then you're adding in like okay, so like a guy who got his uh, what is that bar tending or mm-hmm. what is that? I can never remember. You always you always remember it for me. What is it? Uh, like oh, Cicerone. Cicerone. He got yeah. his. He's like level two Cicerone or uh-huh. something like that. Um, like he was saying, how if you ever have a um, like a you know keep a glass frozen, mm-hmm. if it's when it thaws, if there's like lines as it thaws, that means there's like a chemical down there that the 
like water is sticking to mm. so like he's just like very wary about like frozen stuff because yeah if well, it doesn't thaw yeah the other thing that you can do that people do with something like people will do this with uh, cocoa nibs whenever they put them in beer mm-hmm. or vanilla beans they soak them in vodka oh because mm-hmm. vodka kind of like you know helps kill whatever might be on there that might be a good plan yeah you could say i got vodka soaked raspberries <laughs> in this and, and i think the other thing I wanted to do was actually put a little bit more. Well, I guess there's two things I want to do. I wanted to do more carbonating um, sugar because mm-hmm. by that, the second and the third batch, I'll say, actually were like carbonated. Like you'd pour it and it would just sit there and bubbles would just go. And I was like, yes, <laughs> I did it right. Um, but I wanted to, I, I need to get a tester and actually figure out what my A alcohol by volume yeah, is hydrometer because i i neither none of them really tasted like they had much alcohol in it right so there have been methods i've been talking to my friend my one of my buddies in austin he's mm-hmm. saying like what you could do is take it and put one carboy into the other and actually add in a bunch of sugar there and that would like you could like get it up to 10 percent that way yeah and let it sit for even longer have you heard of that? Yeah, and well, the, what what the kind of problem is is um, like it's definitely you know possible to get you know up to those levels because you know we've gotten up to twelve and a half percent with our imperial stout. Mm-hmm. But what you got to do is you got to make sure that you have enough yeast and that that yeast can tolerate high alcohol levels because hmm. um, most like just regular strains of beer yeast. Um, well, okay, so the, the beer yeast that we use for like our imperial stout is capable of handling like up to like fifteen or so. Uh-huh. Um, but a lot of them aren't engineered to handle mm-hmm. like high alcohol, and they get they get suffocated when the alcohol starts getting too high. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Um, and then the other thing is making sure that you have enough yeast to support yeah. that high alcohol, because whenever Whenever we're doing those high alcohol beers, I make what's called a uh, starter, and I make that starter really big. And what the starter is basically doing is I get a small vial of yeast when I buy yeast, mm-hmm. and I take that yeast and I duplicate it, and make it like you know really like make sure there's just a whole ton of yeast. So when I drop it into that huge solution of sugar, because mm-hmm. more sugar means more alcohol, right? They can actually eat all that alcohol and not die in the process. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so, that'll be something I need to think about. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then the other method was just adding more sugar in my priming yeah. solution. Which there's, um, there's like, I always use a calculator online to mm-hmm. figure out how much sugar in that. The calculators I've found will have conversion charts for, like, this is how much corn sugar for this amount of carbonation mm-hmm. or, or how much brown sugar for this mm-hmm. amount of carbonation. So. And I, see, that was the thing. I love the amount of carbonation. I just. I don't necessarily want it to be more alcoholic, but I definitely want it to be like you. You at least know, yeah. Yeah. You at least know this isn't just like apple juice. Like you know, it's we 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 always end up making something that like you know like it's hard to tell that there's alcohol in there, but like like you know really knock you down. Like the apple wine that we've made sometimes, Mm -hmm. I think you've had it. Um, like that one's super smooth, but the alcohol is almost always like 10 plus. Mm-hmm. So like, those are ones that, you know, it, it's dangerous to drink a whole bunch of, bunch of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but well, yeah, all right. Yeah, I, I think we're just about out of time. Ready, ready to start reviewing. Yeah, sure. So, uh, I mean, t- you, t- tell me, tell me what you think about the mead. The mead. I like it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think you, last time I had your mead was graduation 
like when I graduated, when we graduated from college, right. you had made each of us like a bottle of mead. I guess, yeah, okay. I when remember Bobby, that Zach, and I were all living together. Yeah, yeah, I remember now. And I don't remember if I really liked that or not. But then again... We, we've changed... Like, that was probably the first time that we made the mead, and we've changed the recipe since then. I And, and like, I hadn't... That was also, like, before I was really drinking. Right. So I'm sure it was just like, ah, I don't know. It was yeah. weird. But this is freaking amazing. <laughs> like, if I could get my cider up to, like, this level where it's, like, sweet but also flavorful, like... And see, like, uh, like the thing with like mead is that like age is a huge deal. Like this has been sitting for probably see May, so this has probably been sitting for at least six, seven months max, Uh and that makes a big difference. When I gave y'all that mead, I think I told y'all y'all need to make sure that you don't drink it for another month or so. Yeah, because like we had like just bottled it the day before, Mm -hmm. and I think you probably waited. I I think I waited about two months. Two months? Okay, so, like, you know, that's good. I think Zach... <laughs> as soon as the <laughs> as month as was he... up, he cracked into no, that. No, I, th- I, th- I thought he didn't even wait the month. I thought, like, a couple days it, later, he had No, it, it, he maybe only waited, like, two weeks or something like <laughs> was that. Like, I was like, no, you have to wait. <laughs> well, see, and then the other thing we did was we bought a um, a horn yeah. mug. Like, you know, like a... I don't know, like a... a drinking horn, yeah. Yeah, a drinking <laughs> horn. And that thing just smelled disgusting oh. when we got it. And um, when he poured it in there and drank it, it's like, oh, this is just weird because, you know, a bad combination. A yeah. lot of your taste is from your smell. Exactly, so you're yeah. smelling like this weird horn thing <laughs> while drinking mead. Like, it's like novel. You want to be drinking mead out of a horn, but it just, yeah, it was just weird. <laughs> but yeah, I, I ended up waiting like two months, I think. Yeah. But yeah, so it's all it's all about time with, you know, but yeah, like this. But yeah, I think if I were to rate this, I would definitely give it a 10 out of 10. Like, Right. I, I like this a lot. Like, this would be like the thing where I buy this as a gift for someone. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. <laughs> it's hard for me to rate my own stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, my brother is kind of the same way where he's like, rating is just a number, you know. Yeah, it, but I mean, I will say that, like, of the matches I've had, I like this one the best. Mm-hmm. It's, um, like, sometimes it's, sometimes it has kind of an alcoholic punch that's a little bit too much. But this one actually has a really nice sweetness to it that um, came well, out see, really I well. I think this is what I'm talking about, where this skirts the line between it has a good balance of sweet flavor and then alcohol. Yes. Yeah. Which, until, I mean, until you are a more seasoned drinker, you're not going to like that alcoholness. But, yeah. I mean, I think this just happens with everyone. As you drink more and more, that that flavor you, you, start you don't to get that tolerance well yeah it's not that you it's not that you want it but mm-hmm. you definitely want it just a hint of it yeah, being there yeah, and that's yeah. what i like about this where there's just that subtle reminder that it's there mm-hmm. but it complements everything else yes yeah. and i think I, I did measure this one i've been getting really bad about nourishing my alcohol lately but i'm pretty mm-hmm. sure i measured this one <clears throat> and i believe it was around 13 percent Wow. Yeah. yeah. See, and I think that's perfect. Like right around that amount. And that's kind of the thing I guess I didn't like about beer. Yeah. When we started off beers at a round table, it was just like, you know, we're, we having, we're having stuff that's like maybe 6% at most. Right. And it's just like, especially coming from, I just started straight with liquor mm-hmm. and didn't even, you know, you know, mess with beer where it's like that. That you really get a feel for the alcohol and like how much you're diluting it, and mm-hmm. 
you know, like a good cocktail, you might dilute it down to about 15% or something like that. So that's what I'm, that's why I like about this, where you're saying it's, you said 13 or 12. Yeah. Around 13, I think around 13. Yeah. That's like a good cocktail range of dilution. Yeah. 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 It's got the right, right balance there. All right. So what do do you think about the, the barley wine? Um, I think it's good. Uh, I'm going to take another sip of it real quick. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of reminds me of... It actually reminds me of the beer I was drinking last night, which was uh, Austin Beer Works uh, Black Thunder. Oh, yeah. Kind of has a similar flavor, not quite as dark. Um, But I don't really get Game of Thrones-y feel by drinking this. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it it says it's a full-bodied expression of classic, rich, and malty barley wine ale. I, I would say, yes, it's very full-bodied in its taste. So, yeah. Um, a bold interpretation of a classic barley wine, rich and blah, 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 blah. Uh, Hand of the Queen is our inaugural example of what a court beer- brewer would offer their noble lord. Perfect balance and pure drinking pleasure for which all Omegang ales are known. Hmm. Is what the bottle says. Yeah, I think I would definitely describe it as full-bodied, just kind of like a robust kind of dark flavor so barley wine is a really interesting style Mm -hmm. and in my experience it really varies from brewer to brewer um like the really characteristic of it is that it's a big alcohol heavy beer yeah like that's that's kind of what the style says of it Mm -hmm. and that's it's a barley wine Mm because it's wine like alcohol levels from barley Mm -hmm. rar makes a really good barley wine they don't make it anymore, but they made a really good barley yeah. wine. Um, that's the one that I really liked the most. But like each one of them is really kind of different. This one is, I think, a lot more malty than like what I remember. Maybe from that, Rock. yeah. Maybe that's what I'm getting. It's just a real robust malt flavor. Yeah. Which I don't know. I feel like sometimes I'm in the mood for that, and sometimes I'm not. Yeah, exactly. You know, your your mood will definitely let you kind of dictate you know what you want to drink there. But this is another one of those beers that you know because it's so high alcohol. And, like, you know, they tend to be sometimes a little bit darker, sometimes they're mm-hmm. lighter. But this is one that a lot of times you want to age for at least a year, uh-huh. uh, maybe a, a few years. This one's probably relatively fresh. So, I mean, we can definitely, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we probably could have sat on it for a while. But I, I, I felt like I wanted to crack it open because mm-hmm. it's, it's a little bit more of an intimate uh, yeah, I think format. that might be the common link is kind of the maltiness yeah. between the beer I had last night and this one. Yeah. Which is not bad. It's just, uh, yeah, this one like isn't so aggressive as some other barley wines. So, cause like, you know, a lot of them with that higher alcohol will taste super boozy yeah. if you haven't let them age. Yeah. And cause like, that's part of what the aging does is lets that alcohol mellow out. So you get mm-hmm. the rest of the flavors a little bit more. Yeah. And I, I think I definitely would give this maybe like an eight good solid eight. Like it's a good beer. I mean, or yeah, it's a good beer. I would definitely get it as like a novelty, like we're watching Game of Thrones. Get this Game of Thrones exactly. beer. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's that's a little bit kind of why I picked it up for the novelty. Um, but yeah, I think I'd have to agree with that assessment for an eight. Well, all right. All right. Um, this will be the first time I can actually have you say the uh, <laughs> the outgoing line. But before that, be sure to check us out on Facebook, YouTube, SoundCloud, Overcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, any of those places. Um, we have now put all of our videos up on YouTube. Yeah, so, so you can watch our videos of us doing the cast on YouTube. 
Yeah, that that would be great. Go get us some of those views. Uh, subscribe to us. Smash like that. and subscribe. Yeah, like, subscribe, smash that bell. So whenever I post <laughs> the next round of like five videos because I'm super behind, uh, you'll get a little notification. Um, and I guess as Brad would say, <laughs> be sure to crack a cold one with your boys. Thank you.